You're listening to a production of Swanson Media. This episode of Selling Radio is brought to you in part by Hustle Butter Deluxe. Luxury tattoo care before, during, and after. You can't knock the hustle. Use the promo code PODCAST10 and receive 10% off your order of tattoo needles at shopquadrant.com. Remember to get 10% off your next order of tattoo needles at shopquadrant.com. Use the promo code PODCAST10. This is Sullen Radio with Joe Swanson, the premier art-driven podcast. Hey, everybody. This is Joe Swanson. Um, my guest today is Long Beach local tattooer, and his murals can be seen around Long Beach. Um, if you're trolling around down in Southern California, go try to check check some of his shit out. He's responsible for, um, he's a tattooer, but he's responsible for multiple Sublime covers, um, including the multi-platinum self-titled album Sublime. Uh, he's been a member of some some really dope bands, uh, the, the Long Beach Dub All-Stars, Dub Cats, and War Church. He's also one of the guys, as I went down to, and I, I became familiar with him this year at Ink and Iron. And he's one of the guys whose paintings stuck out to me as a tattooer, um, and it impacted me. It was an amazing piece that he had in the art show there at Ink and Iron. Opie Ortiz is my guest today. Um, how you doing, man? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, the I, I've I've only been familiar with your work for a little bit of time. You know, since Long Beach and uh, when I was down there at Ink and Iron doing some shows in the Sullen Booth. You know, as I was walking around looking for guests, I, um, well, initially that first night, let, let, let's just uh, uh, straighten it out. That first night I saw your piece in the art show, and it's one of those pieces that was there hanging amongst some of the top shelf tattooers of today, and it impacted me. And I think it did that because I'm a street shop tattooer, and it had elements of of kind of that single image, street shop, one shot tattoo but it had this fine art element to it also and the piece i'm talking about i don't know if it was on your instagram or anything i i do know i saw a pete a, a little glimpse of it but it was the dragon face with the water how did that come about man that that thing was so dope um i mean being an old old guy i guess you know you see a lot of images that impact you throughout tattooing and i forgot who actually I mean, there's been many variations of it, but that was just, like, my variation of, like, a classic old, like, water dragon painting. I think maybe, like, uh, I think maybe Greg Irons did one. Like, there's been a couple that, like, are pretty prominent, but that was just, like, my take on a on an old, you know, classic. Yeah, those classics, man, they're... <clears throat> you can you can add as you as you develop as an artist a person can add those you know those little extra elements those extra details into a piece like that and and the classic image still stands on its own but it is enhanced by those extra little things man and you know i love seeing that you know it, it from way back i mean you mentioned greg irons and i know man he's i'm such a big fan of greg irons and for those people that don't know that are listening to the show you know, do a little bit of research on Greg Irons because he was a tattooer in San Francisco who was an illustrator and impacted, you know, definitely impacted West Coast tattooing, you know. 
and you well, know, I, I think I came, I came up in a time where there was no internet or nothing like that. So basically, all you were seeing was the stuff in the magazines and maybe a couple books, like from Frisco, maybe that Ed Hardy was doing. But I mean, I I, I used to say this that you used to be able to count the the best tattooers on your hand, and it was like you know there was some, there was a bunch of guys from Frisco. There was, um, you know, Paul Jeffries. You know, there was just like Diakison, there was all these artists that were, you know, pushing the envelope back then, and that's all I, all I saw. Mm-hmm. So now it's like so strange when I'm looking at a magazine. I'm like, where are these people coming from, man? They're like just from Russia, from you know Germany, from all over. They're just doing incredible work. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that we can just reach out to that those people as well. You know, I've talked about it before, and you know about how before tattooing. You know, and I'm not exactly sure when it made the major switch, but it became less regional and more just all open. And I think it obviously it was when the Internet happened, but possibly when, you know, you had a MySpace or some some format that allowed people to look at other people's work in a matter of an upload, you know, however long that picture took and and it connected with everybody across the Internet. So. I mean, it's it's crazy today the connectivity we have. Where even us, you know, we could sit here on a on a on a phone call and talk with each other and bullshit about tattooing and art, and you know, we're eight hours away from each other. Yeah. So, do you like that? Do you like the social media stuff, or are you? How long have you been tattooing? Um, probably a good 20, 21 years. Yeah, I mean, you were, you know, you got me beat by three years. I've been in, I've been into it 18. And, you know, as somebody that came from a real, a different time period, does the internet interest you? Does the social media aspect of the business interest you now? It's good and it's bad, I think, because, you know, not, not only can they go on there and research a design, you know, and then can get like, plenty of different aspects of, of a certain image or something like that. But in the same as, in the same breath they can go and order, you know, a bunch of tattoo equipment and start scratching, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's no <clears throat> back when I started you had to it was secret, you know what I mean? It wasn't like you could just go and become a tattooer. Yeah, talk yeah, about that. Like, talk about that because it was secretive. Even when I came in it wasn't you know, a handful of years later, it wasn't no one, open. No one was going to give you any kind of hints or any kind of, like, you know, just to get a machine or, you know, stuff like that. Like, you either had to know somebody or, you know, someone that was doing an apprenticeship or, you know, to get in to get tattooed or, you know, because we didn't have money back then, you know. Like, there was no money to be, you know, we were young punk kids, you know. So we would wait for the guy who was doing the apprenticeship and then he would he would be giving away a certain amount of tattoos, you know, to to get up there to be good enough to be in the shop. So, you know, I never got a, a chance to get a tattoo because I didn't like the guy that was doing the tattoos at the time. I think I was too young anyways, but, you know, that was like, you, there was etiquette. Like, you had to do an apprenticeship. You had to, like, you know, there there wasn't like just 
you know, go buy your stuff and get your ink and start tattooing your friends. Was, that wasn't possible. Right. Yeah, there wasn't that. There was only a handful of outlets like that then, you know, Spalding and Rogers and a, and a few other spots that were scattered throughout publications and, and things. But publications weren't even that big. I mean, there was some magazine coverage, but... um you know, contrasting that today where there's so much, you know, so much out there, does it get overwhelming for you to, you know, you obviously are educated about the, you know, design structure and traditional, you know, American style tattooing and Japanese tattooing, and you have these fundamentals down. Does it get overwhelming to have all this, all this, all these images flooding, you know, your phone every day? I try not to be too, like, you know, I go on there and look at Chris Garber's stuff and, you know, like, people that I admire and I follow, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think it's cool, you know, because there is a connection to people that you admire and it is inspiring, you know, but people just tend to overdo it and spend too much fucking time on it, you know what I mean? Right. It's just like, yeah, go like some photos, but don't sit there for an hour and like photos. Yeah. Do do you find do you have a I mean me personally I man I sometimes have a hard time with you know my mind is always going and so oftentimes we we feed into those things that give us a relief from the you know constant barrage of you know thought about our art or our tattooing or things that we have going on and and oftentimes I can dive into Instagram or Facebook or a YouTube video and I can, you know, almost kind of minimize that thought barrage, you know? So for me, I do, I do have a hard time sometimes letting it go and just being, you know, not fucking with it, you know, cause I enjoy that mm-hmm. kind of break from, from all the shit that's going on in my head. But it also, like you said, it can be, it can be, um, too much, you know, and you can, you have to find that balance. How do you find that balance between, you know, tattooing and you're down in a spot, homie, like LA area down in Southern California is, is like one of the meccas, you know, and I've, I've learned as I've been down there a handful of times that shit's different. You know, you have to stay on your game and how do you do that? How do you, how do you find that balance between life and staying relevant in a really really competitive area um i'm kind of lucky i feel blessed that i mean i have all these like fans that want to get tattooed by me and stuff like that and other tattooers and friends and stuff so it keeps me pretty busy but when i'm not tattooing i'm always painting and creating trying to do trying to just keep myself fresh and keep myself like you say, maybe current, you know, just by painting and, you know, I, that's my, that was my love in the very beginning was just art in, in general, you know, as a kid. Right. So just trying to get back to that love, you know, of appreciation of just doing art and not having to worry about it, you know, just, it's just art, you know, like, yeah. Stuff for fun, you know. You know, I think that as we create, as artists, as we create art, you know, for like a guy like yourself, you know, you're connected with a community down there in Long Beach. You have a, a pretty strong history there. People kind of come to you for a specific style or 
because you resonate with them personally. And, you know, I think that's cool because it allows us then as artists to push a little bit of our tattooing. You know, we can try something different on one of the homies that's getting a dope piece that we like that kind of feels our vibe and gets where we're trying to, you know, what we're trying to do. But that all comes with the with the hustle of what we're doing. It's it's part circus act and part, you know, craftsmanship. And yeah, it's, it's like being a salesman, you know. It's like they're only as good as you, you know, as you think you are, and like you have to push that on people. Like even my closest friends, dude, they're like they always come to me and they're like, "I want this and I want it like that." And it goes with my stuff. And eventually, I'm just like, "Okay, that's cool," you know. But when are you gonna let me do something that I want to do? You know, and it makes them realize, like, oh, you know. Maybe it's not fun just doing this stuff all the time, you know? Do you, te- do you tend to have people that get that after, you know, after you have that kind of conversation with them, they get it and become maybe more inspired to get the cool shit that you want to do as an artist? Or well, that's, what, that's where, like, the painting comes in, you know what I mean? If they see me painting a lot of the stuff, eventually they're going to get it, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, I try to just... I've been trying to paint more of, like, Japanese-style stuff, but I love, you know, American traditional. So I'm, like, I wrestle between those two, you know, in my mind. Mm-hmm. It's cool. So, it, it's cool that um, you're using the painting that go in hand in hand. So you're using flash as it was intended or a painting as it was intended in tattooing to be used, and that was to create work. You know, there's... Jason Phillips, who I've talked to on my other podcast, the Propaganda Podcast, he paints, and he said it there, he paints to be able to hang those flash sheets around his station so that it inspires people to get that work that he wants to do. And it's it's just like that. You know, it can be a realistic painting. It can be a watercolor painting. It can be whatever you're into at that time. But it all translates into trying to push that creative, you know, part of tattooing I think I think it helps you too because if you've already painted it you already you already know it you know what I mean you already drew it you already shaded it and everything so it kind of goes hand in hand like you don't paint something without thinking like oh you know there's going to be tattoos like you're thinking that you know absolutely do you do you ever jump outside that and try to paint something that is outside of kind of that wheelhouse or where you're not thinking, okay, how's this line going to connect or how's this going to? Yeah, I do. I do. I've been doing like some acrylic stuff like that. It's cool. Where it's just like there's no. I mean, there might be a sketch in the very beginning, but it's just acrylic, so whatever happens happens. Yeah. Do you like that? Have you been having fun? Yeah, it's like, I think it's it takes you out of your element so you can just kind of have fun, like, with, you know, with the way, like, we paint with, with like, nib and watercolor and stuff. It's a real process. You know, it's just like, okay, I got to outline this stuff, and then I got to treat it, and then I got to color it. You know, it's basically like it's tattooing, you know, mm-hmm. in a sense. So when you do acrylic, it's just like whatever. I just try to just not think. <laughs> right. Yeah. Da- um, Damon Conklin, I shared a booth with him at a convention um, a bit back, and he was 
he was oil painting the whole weekend. And it was interesting to talk to him about his take on oil painting. I mean, really wonderful oil painter. And he said to him, watercoloring was like, was similar to diffusing a time bomb. It was so precise and you couldn't, you know, you can't make this mistake or that mistake or you fuck up the whole sheet or the whole painting. And oil painting to him was, hey, I can lay something down and I can try to work with it and I can play with it and move it. And then if it doesn't work, I can just go over it. And the outcome is whatever I choose to make it. So, yeah, I don't know. It can be... I I dig watercolor, though. I mean, I I have not yet dove into... Yeah, you know, a little bit of acrylic, but not enough to really get my hands wet with it. Um, I I, I really I've enjoy acrylic before. Like, I've always like bounced around with it because I just I love it. You know, it's just different. You kind of just do your own thing, and you know, it works out. But watercolor is like a passion of mine. Like, mm-hmm. I want to do like fine art. Stuff like in watercolor medium, you know, I want to I paint just wild shit, you know. Traditional, tra- traditionally tattoo based, or just outside of that scope, just some cool, weird shit. Just using that theory of like the painting theory of, of painting it traditional, you know what I mean? Or that's the only way I get by because if I sat there and said I was painting, I think too much and I just. It ruins the painting, so I just have to say, "Oh, I'm just going to paint the traditional." <laughs> yeah, and then it gets done. I know what you mean because I I will get into some watercolor paintings, and I'm just like, "Okay, here we go. I'm going to paint this five colors. I'm just going to not get crazy with it because I tend I have a tendency to just really get super colorful or try some new shit. I get inspired to see, uh, you know, I see something in the middle of a painting, and I just want to try something. I'm, I'm going the exact opposite. I'm just I'm trying to do possible yeah i don't want to i don't want to i just want it to be big and simple you know it it helps though right because i had this i have the same problem i have to do that now i have to really taper back my tool you know my tools and my palette and those things to kind of take my crazy out of it and and just make it solid and and readable you know yeah i think that's the key to a lot of things like I find a lot. Of, I find a lot of artists now. They're doing great stuff, but they're like, I don't know. In a sense, maybe they're think overthinking it, and like, you know, it, it looks great, really intense. You know, all detailed, but you know, it tends to tend to lose things. You know. Mm-hmm. I think there's a difference to you know for painting something for a painting's sake, and there's some, a, a difference between painting it for tattoo's sake and to generate business. Cause if you're designing something as a, as a painting for business, well, you have to consider where is this piece going to go? What is it going to, how is it going to, you know, flow on the, uh, on the skin? What, what's my color palette that I'm going to use? Cause these are the inks that I have and, you know, shit like that. You have to think of when you're, when you're dealing with fine art, you're not thinking about that as much, you know, you're just kind of, working through the the process i was working with these guys and they they kind of opened my eyes to a lot of different things and 
it was weird because I come from Burt Graham's where Rick and, you know, Mike Brown, Dean and Joe Vegas, they all, you know, they're, they all come from a heavy-duty outline, whether, you know, thin, you call it regular or bold, you know? <laughs> right. But come from a heavy-duty outline, you know, background and a lot of, you know, heavy-duty shading and, you know, working at different shops and meeting different people and then, you know, these guys were doing, like, painterly style stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, where the fuck is the outline? Are you going to outline that later? You know? Like, <laughs> but, you know, you got to respect everyone else's style, you know? I'm, like, stubborn about it, you know? Yeah. And the kid that, there's a kid that works here with us, Kevin, and he does a lot of the painterly style stuff, too. I think that if you put the type of elements that are going to work in a tattoo um, over time, I mean, you consider, regardless of the style that you're tattooing, I guess this is how I should say, regardless of the style that you're tattooing in, if you consider the elements, the canvas, the, you know, damage to the canvas over time, things like that, which is the skin's going to age, it's going to get thin, it's going to do certain things. You have to have certain shapes in there. That's why an outline's great. You know, that's why bold fields of of shading are great. That's why bold fields of color are great because they read well as the, age, as the skin ages. I feel you can have that same kind of shit and it's being done by these top-level guys like Roman and, and Rich Pineda and Nico Hurtado and, you know, Boris and... These dudes, they're doing it in a in a way that is producing shapes that are going to age well over time. So you're going to see what that image is. You know, it's they're not. I mean, these guys wouldn't be doing the same shit they they've been doing. Um, you know, they wouldn't continue to do it if it wasn't working. These guys have been doing it for a decade now. You know. Yeah. So well, what, it, what it did for me was when I, you know, I was you know stubborn, just sitting that way, kind of like. They've adapted their what's their outside art interest to the confines of tattooing, you know, to a certain degree, to the confines of this art form, this craft that we that is also a business. I mean, it's that's interesting to me that tattoo is. I mean, it is both a business and a fine art at the same time, which not a I don't know, you know, what you have that is like that that is craftsman. And it deals with people, you know, on the skin, and it's fine art, and and it's there forever until that person passes away. That's, you know, the it, it's interesting to to me as well. well. I, think, I think I think that's being lost, like a lot of this mystique with the whole TV and all this. You know, it's, it's not like it used to be a pretty mystical, spiritual thing. You know, like mm-hmm. 
he didn't have tattoos and nothing was kept in the army. You know what I mean? Back in the day. Nowadays we have, you know, we have like a lot, a lot of young little kids with neck tattoos and hand tattoos and they get probably never even been in jail. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, there's a whole like, back in when I was growing up, when I was young, you were afraid to go into the tattoo shop. Let alone go in and ask for ink or ask for help or, you know, an apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, I do. I, I get. They had guns in there. They had <laughs> weapons in there. You know what I mean? Right. You have stories that. Yeah, it's it's true. I mean, I I've you hear stories of I mean the shop that you went into as a kid and were hanging out in, Burt Grimm's. You know, you hear stories. There's a story on YouTube of Rick Walters. You know, saying this guy came in and got half a tat, uh, and he was, you know runs out and he says he's going to get sick and he goes out to the car and Rick runs out there because all of a sudden this guy's not coming back and the guy's peeling out of the, of the spot, you know, with a, with a half done tattoo, but, and you know, it's, it's done enough to where the guy can get by. And Rick pulls out the 22 and just starts dumping rounds. Like that shit don't yeah. happen no more, man. That was a, exactly. a different time. That's a strange uh Things happen now. Where things evolved, like back when I started, like it wasn't really cool to be. You know, tattoos weren't cool. It was like more underground. It was like it was like a, like I said, it was like a spiritual kind of, you know, spiritual thing. Like now, it's just like this classic facade, you know. Mm -hmm. What was it? What was it like being in that shop, man? Back in the back when you first started as a kid. Well, even before you first started tattooing as a kid, you know, fifteen or sixteen, hanging out in Burt Grimm's. I've been in that shop for the first time um, when I came down to Long Beach, and obviously you got to go make the rounds and walk into that environment and and take take advantage of the history that's there right in front of you. What was it like for you hanging out there early on? Well, it used to be, like I said, it used to be pretty scary because the dudes that were working there were not, you know what I mean? You had Rick, you had, you had Rick, you had Joe, you had Demon, you had Mike Brown was there for a while. And then there was like a bunch of like younger guys that were coming up out of there, you know, mm -hmm. like uh, Thomas Pendleton, um, Billy. Well, there was like a couple other after, but mm -hmm. I mean, it was pretty, it was, it was rad. Like, it, you felt like you were part of something being down there in that, you know, creepy old haunted spot, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's, it, it feels cool just to be in there and see some of that old flash that was painted early, early on. Because if people think about it, tattooing's not that old, man. You know we're we're a part of a a pretty young industry that and community really. I've made a distinction on my other podcast, and I want to continue it here on Sullen Radio. With there's a tattoo industry that's this major thing that's this huge, fast growing industry that's corporate and this and that. And then there's the community, and the community is those like minded artists that want to get together and everything that 
they do dumps through the filter of tattooing is it is it and is it good for tattooing and if it's not they dump it out and they you know or they marinate on it a little bit more but it's you know it is a community it's a close knit group of like-minded individuals that have the best for tattooing in in mind and i think that that is a distinction that needs to be made because there's some crazy shit going on now in our industry with with things being completely different than they were when we first came up and not not that it's you know i'm i think it's an exciting time to be tattooing what do you think is it, it is um i think you know it's hard with a lot of um you know i think your work speaks for itself you mm-hmm. know like that, that's what tattooing is about i mean it should be like a good experience also you know but it is what it is now now that you know everyone sees it on tv that they have all these expectations you know so i don't know i see i see a light at the the end of the tunnel and i think for tattooing i don't know it's like a roller coaster it comes and it goes you know what i mean yeah sometimes it's cool sometimes it's not you know What's the biggest misconception that people have, the general public who's getting tattooed, not not the collector, but the person coming in that maybe has a few tattoos? What's What do you think the biggest misconception they have of tattooing because of the shows is? Um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't understand it. Like, I don't understand why it's cool to watch it. Like, after a while, it's not that cool. I think you know? it's... There's a formula that TV stations and networks know that entice people into the drama of something. And, you know, shit, man, you got creative people in the industry, some of who want to just not necessarily make better in the industry, but just make a name for themselves. And you also have people yeah, that want to... That's the whole thing I don't understand. Uh, like, yeah, make a name for yourself, but, like, I don't think it's on... It's- Put on TV. Yeah, I mean it's it's weird, you know. It's an interesting misconception. I think that everyone thinks like if you're on TV, you made it. When in actuality, it's not really that. No, it is. It's only another way to showcase your work. So if your work is shitty, then you know it's going to come through. And you know, even if your work is good, you are dealing with a media form that, in my opinion, is. I mean, like I said, they have a formula. So you are going to have some sort of, you know, dramatics and things like that and scripting that, that goes on. I mean, I'd love to talk to some of the people that are that are involved at a different level um, to see what their take is on it. But it's it's crazy. Well, if, they're, if they're involved, they're, they're automatically going to just be like, oh, well, how do I make more money? You know what I mean? It is another, it is another you know, resource at this point. Whether, like I said, and I, I think it's just that it's a resource that people can be involved with, or they don't have to be involved with, and it, and really, tattooing on a daily basis doesn't doesn't revolve around that. It's just an aspect of it. Well, someone should do a show where it's just good tattooing, and there's no judging, and maybe like the tattoo wars. Remember that one? Yeah, that was good. I saw. You remember when Saber did where it's the? Just like, yeah, where it's just like the top notch dudes going going at it. Right. 
Yeah, that was a good not one, like man. The, I I remember the not like some other guys judging you and like you don't even know what the fuck this guy probably has pictures of ding dongs in his bathroom or something, you know what I mean? Like it's probably the worst when like some of those guys that are actually good tattooers and the last thing is is, is whatever his name is going, you know, oh, you don't have what it takes to be America's next ink master. Right. Yeah. I mean it's Man, you know, like I said, it's it's one of those things that we deal with now in the industry that we're in. Tattooing is that today. It is it is all these things, some of which is unfamiliar and disagreeable to us. But I think it's it doesn't making it like a circus is what it is. It can feel that way for sure. It can feel that way. And I think what's cool though is we have a, an opportunity still to this day to be involved with the areas that we want to support. And I think there's enough of a client base out there and people that are educated enough to continue to come to a bad motherfucker like yourself who and, and get a solid tattoo, you know, regardless yeah, of whether... There are. I mean, it, it, has, it has good aspects. Like, it makes people more aware to, like, research and find the artists that they're into. And, like, you know, they want to see if it, it really is like Doobie, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. So is there? Do that's you? The weird, that's the weird. That's the weird comparison because they compare it to like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, it wasn't like that at all. You know, it's like <laughs> I had to go to a biker bar, a biker tattoo shop, and get you know. What was the? Uh, when do you remember it flipping? Like, when do you remember it going from people just coming in, being freaked out, and asking? You know, not even wanting to ask for a different color from what's on the wall to coming in and asking for specifics and and then well, I'll... I've been t- I've been tattooing for a while and people always come in and ask for fucking weird shit, <laughs> no matter what it is. And like, you could have the most random shit on your wall and they will get it tattooed. Yeah, you know. And we were uh, American Beauty was like a custom shop. So we had just like paintings and different stuff. There wasn't a lot of flash on the wall, so people would start asking for the stuff that we had on the wall, and we would just be like, "Okay, you know." Weird shit. Them, like, what's the weirdest? Draw them, draw them something custom, but I mean, it's just kind of weird, you know. <laughs> what's the weirdest shit you tattooed? I get that question all the time. always like people lose bets and have to get like portraits of the other people you know or something like that comic portraits of the other people or i've done a couple of those right i thought was really kind of weird i well i've lost a bet i i have a bet tattoo at least one and i have um it's like a skateboard with the dude's name in it sean and i lost you know it was like (laughs) who can do you know the first tray flip and Man, you know, I was like, I'll, 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 you know, do that. I'll try that. Let's do that. What are you going to, I have a whole leg that's like my right leg from the knee down is my kids have tattooed me on there. A, you know, a couple piercers have tattooed me on there. People that have never even yeah. held a tattoo machine have tattooed homie me down. Totally homie tats. And so, yeah, I have one of those lost skateboard um, competition tats with another guy. What, okay, let me let me ask you about this, man, because I find myself saying this word quite a bit and it's just because of the environment that I'm working in and, and it resonates with people, but what do you think about the whole thing people calling tattoos tats? 
Because I found that I continue to like catch my tats, like T-A-T-S, tats. It's just a slang term for tattoos. Yeah, like I came in, you know, I need to get tatted or I need to get a tat. Yeah, I don't really care. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it's it's still, you know, what could they say tattoo? You know, like it's just whoever's preference. Like we joke around and call them tat tappies and (laughs) tatties and fucking all kinds of weird shit, you know? Right. I get it, man. I, I don't, it was one of those things that I never kind of got because. I mean, if it's some buff, big old buff raver dude that comes in and he's like, hey man, I need to get all tatted down, you know, it's like, <laughs> then it gets weird. It does get weird then. You know? I guess it's in the whatever's, you know, it has, it's case by case then. Yeah. I guess it's your mood at the moment, you know? <laughs> right. That's it, Because could probably say you, if you, you know, if you're reading some shit well that's true yeah i you know i just think it's it's one of those things where it, it tends to i tend to say it because it's it's what people are saying that are coming into the shop i know what it is man i'm not trying to disrespect tattooing you know i'm just trying to get that extra 20 dollar tip you know because i'm talking like the people that i'm working on you know and um do you find, man, that what do you find is the biggest change that has happened since, you know, maybe maybe not necessarily from the time you got into tattooing, but maybe in the Internet boom of tattooing, what has been the biggest thing for you to adjust to? shift in like maybe younger kids getting tattooed now and they're really just like they just want to get tattooed like you know right now mm-hmm. they want to get a lot you know and I just wish they were like it seems like back in the day people because tattoos were so expensive you know and I think now they are expensive you know we charge you know 150 an hour you know but they just wanted like they ask for like, oh, can you just fill that in around that? You know, like they're already they want a tattoo, a big tattoo, and then they want you to put filler around it. And I'm just like, no, you could probably get something else and then get the filler later. You know, like trying to like educate them, know, push them, yeah, push them in the right direction to something looking nice instead of like you know a bunch of filler stuff. Right. So, yeah. A, a arm of a arm of filler. Yeah, man, it happens every day. You know, people and people come in asking for that stuff, not educated necessarily even on, you know, anything that has to do with with what they're asking. You know, how is this going to how is this going to like I said earlier, how is this going to age? How is it going to fit in this part of the body? You know, what's how is it going to affect placement? Placement is like a stickler of mine, too. Mm -hmm. I just see I see a lot of things going like just straight out the window, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's some a lot really... of like a lot of like like faces going pointing the wrong way, you know, on the top mm-hmm. of the arms and like man, a lot of stuff, man. Mm-hmm. Cuz there's no because the the chain is the you know, the head guard had stepped down and you know, kind of stepped in and with all the you know, the, the cheap shit you know, because you couldn't go down to 
the old biker, you know, and be like, hey, can I buy a machine? And he, you know, because he's gone. So the Chinese Chinese stepped up, and then you could buy it on the internet, and then, you know, next week you're tattooing because you didn't want to learn, you know, or because you couldn't. So it's like a changing of the guard, you know. Right. It's a changing of the information that needs to be provided too. I think you know it's yeah. The, the, this guard is invisible, and he he speaks in sign language. And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. What do you think about the um? What do you think about the 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 seminars and things like that? You know those those types of things. Man, I was reading some That's shit. Great. What's that? I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I but was I reading. Mean, it, it should be by a, a accredited person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just went to the Perseverance one a while back mm-hmm. that um, Chris Brand put on and Igor uh, Works or whatever. But those are that, those are great. You're learning stuff. They're they're introducing you to concepts and ideas and stuff. You know? Right. I mean, if it's like someone talking about their style. You know, or tattooing, or I don't know about that. I mean, I like it when they're giving examples when they're actually showing you by working, mm-hmm. you know, and talking. That's really cool. Yeah, that's almost like getting an in-house shop experience. I mean, you know, there's there's it's guys almost as good as getting tattooed. You know. Yeah, and you know what? Yeah. I've always said that. I've always told people who are you know would either come into my shop when I owned one or come into the shop that I'm working at, you know, what's the, you know, asking for an apprenticeship and what's the best way to get an apprenticeship and this and that. I say, stay on your art and come get tattooed by the person you want to get an apprenticeship from because you're going to build a rapport with them. They're going to see the type of person you are. They're going to, you're going to have an opportunity to present your art and man, you know, it's different these days. You know, there's so many opportunities out there to expand your art and, and opportunities that's, for seminars and webinars and, and shit that's moving, man, it's, it's, it's moving in our industry and there's no excuse anymore to do a shitty tattoo. You know, uh, a shitty tattoo is not, should not be coming out of somebody that's diligent about wanting to learn this craft. You know, there's no reason, you know, there's no reason. There's enough people that are out there that have presented information in a, in a way that's accessible that if you're doing shitty tattoos, it's because you don't care for what you're doing. And you'd probably be a shitty plumber or a shitty carpenter, you know, or a shitty secretary if you if you were working in those, you know, jobs too. So hopefully time will weed those people out and, and you know, yeah. the industry will continue on. Man, I was talking, I was hanging out with um, Lyle Tuttle the other night. I spoke about this on my other podcast. I'm about to drop with... Russ Abbott on it. It's going to be the last of the last of one of my shows uh, that I'm doing for a little while, so I can focus on selling radio. But I was talking with Lyle the other night. I was at his house, and he thinks that in five years, shit's going to drop off. Just you know, this explosion that's happening is going to go through another cycle of turning in on itself, and you won't have what we have now. No, obviously, you won't have what we have now. But he's saying that it's going to that it's going to fall off. And the guys that are doing the good work and the consistent work, those are the guys that are going to stay around. Yep. <clears throat> because the proof is in the pudding. You can't maintain doing shitty tattoos forever and using someone else's portfolio. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure, man. You know, you came up. Let's let's uh let's talk a little bit about the the music thing, man. You know, you you got a pretty good um, resume of of bands that you've been in, and and you've been around. You were around Sublime and and did the cover art for for a couple of their albums and tattooed <clears throat> tattooed those guys. Talk about that. How did that relationship come to be? Um, you know, grade school, junior high, going to school with Eric. And later on, you know, they, they had a punk band then, and then later on they formed Sublime, and I just maintained friendship throughout all that whole time, you know, and just became really good friends with the guys. How was it... Um during that, were you tattooing them during their their peak? I mean, their their time where they were really popping off, or was it something that was local at that time? Or, um, yeah, I watched them. I watched them kind of, you know, start gradually increasing their, you know, their stardom. It was cool, but was they, had a, I, they didn't. You know, Brad never got to see the, you know. Really, the, you know, the shine, you know. Nothing still doing good, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was. It's interesting there too it, that that happened. You observed that happening pre-internet too, right? I mean, they they came up in a time where they were straight hustling and playing. Yeah. So there was no the internet wasn't really cracking then, so. Right about that time was when, right around that time is when he passed in '96. Mm-hmm. So did they blow up? They blew up after, so he never really saw too much of the the major success, or yeah. I mean, he he saw a little bit of it, you know. I mean, I, of course, I imagine he knew that album was going to be a total success, but. Yeah. Did you did you ever talk to him about the album or his in impressions of it or before it yeah, dropped? When, when he was when they were done recording it, he was super stoked on me doing the artwork and he had given me all these these proofs of like all the lyrics that he had copied, you know, that were for the song. Like, cause he, you know, I told him I wanted to like hear the music and then I would do the artwork based on that, you know. Yeah. So he had like given me all these, you know. I wish I still had them. You know, they were just like all his lyrics. Wow. You know, and I'm just like reading them, and you know, that's when I did the back cover art where it's like the guy in bed and the guy surfing, and you know, it's all like it all pertains to the album. Yeah. Were you? How was that process for you? How long did that process kind of take for you to get those lyrics? And I mean, was it really? Did it come pretty easy for you, or? Yeah, I mean, I was really, like, I hadn't heard the song, so when I heard them, I was just, like, was, I fell in love with them, you know? I was, like, playing them over and over again, and no one no one had heard them. You know what I mean? So I'm just blaring it, and everyone's just like, what are you listening to? You know what I mean? They didn't know what it was. Huh, so what? It was pretty, like, it was, like, I yeah. didn't really know the whole whole deal with, you know, how sick he had been getting when he was out there. But, you know, he seemed pretty happy 
when he got home. And uh, I think that's about the time when he got married. Mm-hmm. He was sober for a little bit, and he was doing good. And then a little bit after that is when shit hit the fan. Yeah, that's... It's cool to hear that he was psyched on the album and that he was in that place where he was excited about it and he felt like it was going to be, you know, big. It's it's, And then to see what it became, you know, it's exciting to see that, that, you know, his hard work, at least in the form of giving people some satisfaction and some happiness in music, because that's impactful, yeah. man. You know, what do you think it was about their music or what was it about them as a band or or him as a, as a singer that impacted people so heavily? Um, I think maybe the, the out of, out of placement it was, you know what I mean? It was like, it was kind of like the police. It was like these white kids playing reggae, you know, or ska, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like they're playing, uh, African driven music. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like what's going on here? You know, and it's been, it's happened, you know, throughout time. You know, like Led Zeppelin playing blues, which is African-based music. You know, like I don't know if it was like the Southern California, like they had done like so much. We called it like holy homework. They had played so many places and so many, you know, venues and so many times that just becomes synonymous, you know what I mean? It just becomes like part of the like the rug, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, uh, it's just like a fixture, you know? Yeah. So, and after a while, like I imagine they got tired of playing shitty shows and they, you know, you start playing good, after, you know, after you play for a long time, like you start playing good and people start recognizing you and then, you know, and you're signing, signing labels. <laughs> right, you know, yeah. Signing deals. I'm sure it can be, I'm sure it was overwhelming for those guys and, and, you know, to a certain degree as well, you know, to see that success and feel that success and walk through it. Um, you know, what what it was your favorite piece of artwork that you did for them? Um, I don't know. The sun was pretty... I thought the sun was pretty epic. I've tattooed that sun <laughs> early on in my career. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of tattooers have, and, and it's something that, you know, when I read that today, and I was like, damn, man, that that is such a requested design. You know, that's that's yeah. over the course of, of time, too. You know, I'm talking about 18 years back, you know, nine, you know 17 years back. Early on in my career, I tattooed it a couple times, and then, you know, I've I've had the request, uh, you know, a handful of times since then as well. So, how cool to see that still resonating with people. You know, as an artist, is that do you appreciate that? Yeah, I do because I mean, sometimes I just get like, if there's a few I've done in like like couple weeks, that like one time there was like three of them, and I think I you know I think about it and I'm just like you know. I want to do this better, you know. I've been trying to like, uh, like, shine it, you know, like shine it, make it better when I tattoo it, so it lasts, mm-hmm. you know. 
because it's like a lot of bright colors. So been throwing a little bit more black in the outline, like using a three to do the small stuff and then a bolder outline to do some of the bolder stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, so, uh... I, I appreciate doing it, you know, and it's like, I think that people appreciate it, you know? Yeah. I think they do. I think it's, I don't think it would be done as much if people didn't, if not only the music, but the artwork and, and that whole story didn't resonate with them somehow. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. cool. I'm sure it's cool as an artist to have that impact and have that, you know, carried, carried on over the course of many, many years. So yeah. um, what do you got going on now these days, man? What, what's, what's going on? Any, any projects or paintings that you're working on that you're stoked about? Uh, I've been doing these um, little mini flash sheets that I've been working on, and I'm always doing like uh, other people's art, you know, like bands and other stuff. So just constantly just painting and trying to create. Yeah. Dabble and other, other like clothing and hats and stuff like that, too. Mm hmm. It's good shit, man. You know, it's it's great. Um, you know, I I love looking at your work, man. As I, as I've found you on Instagram now, and um, tell people where they can find out more about your work, about your artwork. Maybe drop a few spots around Long Beach that people can go mosey on by and check out some some real life street shit too. Okay, um, I work at uh, Still Life Tattoo in Still Beach, fifteen hundred. Uh, unit F, CCH, Still Beach, California. Um, I'm also associated with uh, Rick Walters, World Famous Tattoo. I do some guest spots down there. That's in Sunset Beach. And if you check out um, my website, it's www.opertees.com. And I try to stay current with you know, any new projects that I'm working on and tattoos that I've done on there. Cool. And the Instagram is uh, what? Tattoos by Opie. Okay, cool. And you on Twitter or anything like that? Uh, yeah, same, same one. Tattoos okay. By Opie. Tattoos by Opie. Thank you so much, Opie. I appreciate you coming on, man. And um, thank you, listeners. I appreciate you guys uh, supporting. Um, continue to, uh, uh, to listen. And, you know, hopefully we'll have uh, some more great talks um, with guys like Opie again. Opie, I hope to have another couple great talks like this, man, in person, in person too, you know. I hope to get down to um, Southern California and, and to, some, to some live events this next year, and I, I'd, love sure. to, I'd love to sit down and bullshit with you again, man. Yeah, for sure. All right, great. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it, and right. we'll talk to you soon. All right, good night. I want to thank everybody for listening. The only reason this show exists is because of the listeners. As Sewing Radio grows, I want to give you guys an opportunity to be more involved in the conversations, have a part in the direction of the show, ask questions, or just express more support to your favorite artists. Let me know what you want to hear each week on Sullen Radio by using the hashtag SullenConnect. Hashtag your pics or tweets with SullenConnect and become part of the conversation. Be sure to check out Sullen Clothing on Instagram, at Sullen Clothing, and online at SullenClothing.com. You can check my website out, TheRealJoeSwanson.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter, at OGJoeSwanson. 
As a tattooer, I'm always trying to hustle new business. So if you'd like to get tattooed by me, either in Northern California or Southern California, drop me an email, ogjoeswanson at gmail.com. Let me know your ideas. You can also hit me direct, 707-704-6909. Shoot me a text and we'll figure it out. Thank you. Hey everybody, Sullen Radio is teaming up with Tattoos Cure Cancer to fight cancer one tattoo at a time. Every month on behalf of the listeners, Sullen Radio will donate to Tattoos Cure Cancer 50% of all contributions made to support this art-driven podcast. Follow at Tattoos Cure Cancer and at OG Joe Swanson for updates on this podcast partnership. To support both the podcast and help Tattoos Cure Cancer fight a disease that affects our tattoo community daily, you can donate any amount now via PayPal to OGJoeSwanson at gmail.com.